Hello from the Office of Leadership and Civic Engagement, better known as OLSI, at UNC Greensboro, and thanks for joining us. OLSI prepares students to serve as changemakers. We develop, promote, and advance civic engagement, leadership development, and meaningful service to create positive social change. The purpose of this podcast is to engage the UNCG community by highlighting faculty, staff, students, community partners, and anyone else who embodies what it means to be a changemaker. If you want to learn more, you can follow us on social media at uncg underscore olc or check out our website, olc.uncg.edu. Welcome. My name is Zach Bell from the Office of Leadership and Civic Engagement. I want to thank everyone for attending this event as we wrap up Leadership Week. Today we'll be having a dialogue with four of our fellow Spartan leaders. I hope their experiences can highlight the different ways leadership can show up and inspire you on your leadership journey. The format for today's dialogue will consist of three different segments that include questions for the panelists to share their experiences, followed by a Q&A portion from you, the audience. Uh, the segments for today's dialogue will be centered around the social change model for leadership, individual, group, and society. Additionally, the audio from this event will be used in a future episode of our OLC Leadership Speaker Series podcast. Let us begin with the introduction of our panelists. I'll start with Brent and have them tell um, more about themselves. So please share with us uh, the basics, such as your name, major, pronouns, and how you're involved with UNCG. Well, uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Brent Archie. I'm a graduate student currently pursuing an MBA here at the Bryan School. I'm also doing the OLC Silver Challenge as well as I did the Truest Challenge and I'm also a member of the UNCG Martial Arts Club. Um, you know, feel free to ask me anything outside of this after even this is over. I, I love to help and anything I can provide for my life experience, I'd like to give that to you. Hello, I'm Mary Helen Kalusik, she, her, hers. I'm a junior double majoring in business administration and marketing. On campus, I kind of consider myself to be really involved within the Bryan Business School. So I'm the president of the American Marketing Association, our student chapter, uh, VP of Administration for the Spartan Investment Club, a representative for the National Millennial and Gen Z community, um, as well as serving and participating in several other organizations. I also completed the Silver Leadership Challenge and I'm planning to complete the goal this coming fall. Right. Hi everyone, my name is Kaylee Del Greco, she, her, her pronouns, and I am from Raleigh, North Carolina, but obviously I'm at UNCG. Um, I'm a junior majoring in communication studies and minoring in psychology. And my involvement on campus primarily serves first-year students, so I'll leave it at that because there's a lot and I don't want to overwhelm you all. Um, but I help a lot of first-year students, whether it's giving tours, whether it's being an orientation leader, or even helping inside the classroom. But if y'all have any questions about it at any point in time, obviously, I'm always open for that. Hello, everyone. My name is Isai de la Barrera. I am a third-year student majoring in interior architecture and minoring in business. I'm from Burlington, North Carolina. Uh, he, him, his pronouns. And I'm involved in various uh, groups on campus. Um, the president of the Delta Omicron chapter, uh, Land of Data Phi Alliance Fraternity Incorporated, treasurer for uh, SASA, a member of Alpha, and a member of DEI in Design. And yeah, I'm super excited to be here to like, share some of my experiences within these various organizations. And thank you all for coming. Yeah, so thank you all for sharing a little bit more about yourselves. 
We're now going to dive deeper into the questions. Audience members, as you're actively listening, consider any follow-up questions you may have. After several questions, you'll have a chance to ask our panelists your questions. We'll start off with some questions on who our panelists are as individuals. Uh, so first up, what are some identities that you hold that you feel have shaped your leadership journey to this point? And then feel free to just go in any order. We don't have to go in any cycles, anything like that. Okay. Um, I'll go first. Uh, so prior to coming here uh, for grad school, I was in the United States Coast Guard for six and a half years. Um, and just being in that veteran community and you know, you having to make decisions that can affect you know, hundreds of thousands of people's lives, you know, it really makes you start understanding the importance of doing things correct the first time and how much uh, being a calm leader, even with everything going uh, you know, against you, just making sure that you're level-headed even through the craziest storm, that'll get you through a lot of stuff. Because a lot of people will freak out, but if you can just maintain your own calmness through whatever you're facing, you'll see it through. That's been my experience. I say definitely for me, like everyone, I have a lot of identities, but I'd say too, um, that I'd say really impacted how I developed as a leader would be one, um, being a first generation student and then also being what's referred to as a well sibling. So I have an older brother who faces very serious mental health issues and has for as long as I can remember. And so because of that, I grew up in a certain way that was very independent and oftentimes you feel very excluded from your own family. And so coming into leadership positions, one kind of being on the outer circle as a first generation student and kind of being on the outer circle just the way I grew up, I developed as a very inclusive leader. Um, and so that's really two identities that have helped me um, develop in that way. Um, on that same note, I definitely hold a lot of identities closely to me as I lead um, new students, whether it's welcoming them to UNCG. Um, but I'm also part of the LGBTQ community, so I also know that that is a minority group that we do serve here on campus. Um, but it is a huge part of my identity and who I am as a leader, and it's made me understand a lot of inclusivity inside the classroom and outside of it. Um, and it's made me a lot more aware of situations that students can be going through because that's not something I say to anyone. Um, I don't just, it's not my like icebreaker in a room um, because you never know who you're gonna impact in a room. So I always understand that people come from all different walks of life. So always including them and making sure that their voices are heard too um, is the biggest thing that I've learned from being part of that community. It's something that I'm proud of. Yeah, for me, I would obviously uh, agree with like the being a first year, uh, first gen uh, student, and like just having to you know grow up and look up to like mentors for like guidance and everything, um, and definitely like now that I'm in the position of like you know I've developed in various areas, you know, um, I've been able to serve as a mentor for others, and you know just growing also within like the environment of like people wanting to be in the position like you know having the opportunity to go to school but not being able to that kind of also like sparked me to you know go far and beyond and really use the principles that I grew up with to like lead and help others but definitely like also like um, building capacity with like like taking things one time one step at a time but um, I would say those are the things that yeah I think I with um, next, I want to ask, what is something you have learned about yourself since being at UNCG? Um, yeah, so since I've been here, I've learned that you don't have to do everything on your own. 
Um, UNCG is a community of resources that if you don't have the answer, somebody, some way, some shape or form will help you find what you need. And I really appreciate that. I mean, I've been to other schools and other institutions where you're just kind of floating out there and you just kind of feel like a lost soul that they're taking your money. <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of disheartening. But here, like if you need help, uh, I think my first day I had no idea how this campus was laid out, even with a map. And so I'm, I'm just talking to some random lady and then she's in charge of financial aid and she's like, oh, did you finish all this stuff? I was like, nah, but she talked me through everything and I really appreciated that because, I mean, she didn't know me from anybody. Like, I'm just some guy on the street trying to figure this out. And, you know, I, ever since then, I'm like, wow, I really advocate for uh, just actually just reaching out and saying, hey, I might need help from something. Like, never be afraid to ask for help, while you're, at least while you're in this campus environment because everything here is a learning environment. And the way you approach stuff here is going to translate into how you approach stuff later in life. So never, don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, you can go for that. I would say for me, one thing that I learned about myself coming into UNCG and how to define is that I'm an activator. And so when I'm faced with situations, I often really like to jump into them and I like to start new projects and really try to experiment and try new things and fail and learn from my mistakes along the way. And so I love UNCG because it affords me the opportunity to have those leadership opportunities where I can roll with ideas. And I have people that are like, I love that project. And like, they don't know if it's gonna be successful, but they wanna be in my corner and they wanna allow me that opportunity to grow. Um, so that's something that's been really important for me to discover and something that I really hold close to my heart. I definitely came in um, thinking I was going to go into one thing when I first started college, and then it switched. Um, so coming to UNCG has really helped me understand what career path I wanted to go into and why I love student leadership so much, and that's why I want to go into higher education. Um, because as a woman that is involved in leadership opportunities, there are times that it feels like your voice is silenced, and I've learned that UNCG is not the place for that, and that is why I love it here, um, because every person that comes into a space has something valuable to say at our school, and that is why I love it so much, and it has shaped me into the leader that I am today, but also why I love student leadership so much is because you're able to come with an opinion and it be heard, and it's okay if it's different, because that's why we all are here. Um, so yeah, it's definitely helped me find my career path, which I really appreciate because I was lost, so. Yeah, so basically, like, um, I figured out that I can do much more than what I, like, originally thought I could. Um, just being involved in various things and just having to multitask. Um, really, like, I owe a lot of, like, the skills that I developed, like, um, through the process of joining Landos. Uh, just time management, you know, communication skills being able to, you know, uh, lead a group of guys uh, to complete tasks and just, um, you know, just having the uh, challenges and overcoming everything that comes in your way. Uh, but definitely, like, also, like, um, like, the power of the mindset. Like, you can honestly do anything you want, but you, you just have to have, like, that mindset. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm loving these these uh, things that y'all are sharing. Um, I want to ask y'all next about some of your values. So what are some of your top values and where have you seen that show up in your leadership? I mean, I'd say for me, I definitely, as I mentioned earlier, I value inclusion and communication. 
Um, and it's just something that's really important for me in order to build those and maintain those connections. And so as a leader, especially for my board members going into that and trying to manage them, I always like to make sure that I hear every single person's opinion and that they feel comfortable voicing that. Because I know in the past, I've been in situations where it's like, I'm free to speak, but it's like, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't feel like I'm actually invited to. And so it's, I've tried to be very cognizant about making sure that every single person in the room, not forcing them to speak, but making it clear that like, hey, do you have an opinion? Do you like want to speak up about this? Um, is something that's really been important to me as a leader. And yeah. Um, I would say punctuality uh, for me. Uh, again, just being in the military, like if, if you're off sometimes by like a second, you know, that can be a life or death situation. But uh, I would also say just translating that into your day to day life, showing up to a class like five or 10 minutes earlier, it won't kill you. I, I get it. Procrastination is fine. I get it. It can be recklessly, you know, used. You can turn in things and try to have to explain deadlines. But if that's constantly what you're putting out where you're always showing up late, people people won't want to work with you because they know your, your deliverables, everything that you're doing is always going to be late and you're going to have some great excuse. And eventually people don't want to hear that. Most time, I mean, like, think about it. If you wanted a hot meal and somebody always explained to you, oh, I wanted to serve it to you hot, but mm, I took an extra five, ten minutes, and now it's, I don't know, room temperature. Are you going to be happy with that service? And they still expect the same price and a tip on top of that. So it's like, you know, you should really kind of consider that when you're going into different uh, aspects of your life as far as reports or things like that that you might have to turn in. Um, just punctuality, because it even gives you more time that, like, your teacher or whoever uh, you might have to turn something into, they might have more leeway if you turn it in on time and there was something wrong with it. Now you got a chance to fix whatever you had going on versus, okay, now you're behind schedule and now you're messing up too. Like, this is even worse. And we can probably rushed it on top of all that, but. Um, I'll just leave you with punctuality is key, you know, early bird gets the worm, and there's so many times, I, outside of all this, I also have my own company, uh, we do a government contracting, and there's stuff where if you turn in a package, at, if it's due at 12 and you turn it at 1201, they won't even open your packet, and you could have been working on this for six, seven weeks, and they won't even include any of it, because they don't care, so I'm telling you, once you guys hit the real world, there's not a whole lot of uh, leeway with, you know, deadlines and turning things in late, so definitely punctuality will get you far in life, so. Um, on that same note, I was gonna say discipline is one of mine, um, just organization in general. I am the person with the color-coded planner and the Google Calendar plan to a T um, with my life, just because it helps me with deadlines when it comes to scholarships or anything like that, but also um, being restorative, so that means coming up with just new ideas for students. I serve as a peer academic leader, and sometimes you get a tough crowd. Sometimes students have bad days. As students, you all know that. You all are human and you have lives and things affect you. And so always coming up with new ways to engage students is something that I love to do because um, I never want to do the same icebreaker twice. I never want to do the same activity twice because then they'll pick up on my pattern and I want to keep them guessing and on their toes. But also just to bring something new to my leadership position so I'm also learning what works well with not only like first generation students, but maybe Brian school students, maybe bio students, things like that. No crowd is the same, so always making sure I'm coming up with new ideas. Yeah, for me, I would say it's more like uh, respect, being responsible, and having that dedication. Um, going back to like having respect for like your members and like, like you know, acknowledging that everybody's different 
and that we all like think differently, we all have different ideas, and just considering everything and not just like focusing maybe on like one particular thing, but like trying to resolve into where like everybody's idea can kind of like come together in a way. Um, and being responsible, because I know like um, having this like position uh, can bring many uh, tasks to complete. And so basically you just have to be like on your toes like and like be organized with like the way that you go through your day and everything. Um, and just having that dedication to keep going because uh, it can be tiring, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, just uh, having to do a lot and just um, also like understanding and having respect for yourself to, you know, uh, acknowledging when it's time for you to like, um, you know, take care of yourself basically. Yeah, yeah, those are all excellent values and I love how, you know, they spam. Um, next up, we're gonna talk about motivation. So what are some things that motivate you and uh, things that you feel passionate about? So what are your motivations and passions? Cool, uh, I'll take it. Uh, so for me, uh, a couple of things. Um, I was one of those kids, like when I was five or whatever, I told myself I'll be a millionaire by 25. I still reached it in my 20s, but it wasn't exactly when I wanted it. And my whole thing was like, I know what I'm worth. I, like I've never really taken a normal job just because I don't necessarily fit into somebody else's corporate structure, but I also always bet on myself. So it's like, once you once you believe so much in yourself that you can overcome anything, that's the mindset you gotta attack. I mean, for me, what really motivates me is having a community and building connections with people. In the past, I've held work positions where I haven't felt motivated. You know, I've made sure I've gotten done what I need to get done. I've crossed the T's and dotted the I's and done all of that work. But I like, didn't feel like drawn to complete what I needed to do, and it felt like a chore. And it took me a while to realize that the reason why I didn't feel that motivation was because I didn't have a community around me. I didn't have anyone I could go to to share like failures or mistakes I had made or my successes or just like kind of to bounce ideas off of them. And so I realized that it's very, very important for me to have those people in my life in order to stay motivated, to have that community around me, not only to support me, so that I can support them. Um, and so that's been something that I've been very cognizant about. And it actually kind of is what inspired me to go into my career path now, which is brand marketing, because I realized not only do I like to participate in those communities, but I like to help build communities and build lifestyles where people can be included and have that support behind them. Um, I would say having a close-knit support system, so kind of all of the supervisors that I've had to work with or gotten to work with in the past few years at UNCG, um, giving me feedback, being able to take it and put it into action has been so helpful because I'm never going to know what I did wrong or like what feedback people have for me unless someone says, work on this next time. And it's not a bad thing to get feedback and it's not a bad thing to be corrected because it's the whole point of learning is to make mistakes. Um, even as a student leader, you're not expected to be a perfect student leader right off the bat. I never walk into a classroom thinking a class is gonna go perfectly, because it never does, because that's how classes work. Um, so just having a close-knit support system that I know I could go to with literally anything, and they could just be a sounding board, or they can give me all the ideas in the world and help me kind of branch out and also divide up my work accordingly so I am not really overwhelmed. Yeah, for me, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I would say like a big factor that motivates me is my family. Uh, coming from like a background where like, like I said, not many had the opportunity to be 
where I am sitting today with like uh, being able to attend higher education. And so that really sparks me to you know continue each day tackling uh, whatever comes my way and just providing that help to others too. Um, and also like the momentum that I've gained, like why stop when you've come so far? So that definitely sparks me to continue each day to uh, be the best person I can uh, than the day before. And also I agree with like the whole support system. It brings me so much comfort that I can like any day like reach out to somebody about a particular problem that uh, I might need help with and just like um, be at ease with it. Yeah, so this wraps up our first segment, which was uh, them getting to share more about themselves. The next segment will be talking more about uh, their role in group dynamics. But before we do that, uh, this is the chance for the audience to ask any questions that they may have uh, to any of the panelists. It can be directed towards one person or just the panelists in general. And I want to open that floor for anybody to ask any questions before we would move on to the next segment. All right, last chance. Okay, so uh, we're now gonna move on to questions about how our panelists interact in group dynamics. So the first question I have is, uh, what is a group you are a part of in which you have had to work together in order to achieve a common goal? I would say for me, one that I'm currently in is X Culture, which if you're not aware, it's a global project that the Bryan students do where we partner with universities internationally and we're formed on teams with students that are at those other universities and we're tasked with developing a market report for real corporations that are entered into the program and facing real issues. And so oftentimes, as you can imagine with students like across the globe, you'll face a lot of issues from just like cultural differences to time zones, you know, like just being able to meet with them and connect with them. Um, and so just finding those opportunities to come together and have a mutual understanding and really be vulnerable with each other and say, hey, like this is something I don't understand or this is something that's different for me and can you explain this is something that's helped me to grow a lot as a leader as we work together to develop the project. And it's been something that's been very rewarding for me. Um, so I'm involved um, in the Office of New Student Transitions and First Year Experience with a lot of different roles in that office. Um, but one team I am part of is called the FYE team or the First Year Experience team. I also serve as a peer academic leader, so that means I am also the pal that is in the FYE 101 classroom that sees things firsthand. But as the first year assistant on the FYE team, I help to develop a lot of curriculum things that we're changing. And so we specifically gear our work towards first year students. We help serve pals in different capacities and things like that. But our work is always geared towards first year students and making their transition to college easier because surprise college is hard um, college is not easy for every student to walk into it's an entirely new environment that you're immersing yourself in and as part of the FYE team I have been challenged in all of the right ways and I'm so grateful and so happy that I have every single person on that team in my life because they always bring something to the room that I like don't think of when I first am reported with the situation or anything like that whether it's feedback whether it's well, what if we did this thing instead of what I came up with originally, or we just compromise on it. And we have such a great collaboration together 
and it is so rewarding to be part of that office and to see the impact that you have on first year students no matter what so that's my um that's my team and i'm so glad that i'm part of it so uh the one org that i feel like that i have like like gone beyond like with like developing like my leadership skills and like that i've enjoyed is actually my fraternity uh just because um i've been able to you know just uh understand how like transparency is key to like um having a successful uh group and achieving things as a group and just like being aware of like that um you can't really hold anything back because at the end of the day like uh you need to be like able to know what exactly is going on like for example like i can give an example like how our org kind of like does handles businesses that we go through like you know our things and then at the end we have like we uh basically open up to like if anything has uh come up between any of us and we clear things in there basically um but basically uh having transparency that way we can you know achieve and uh tackle events uh we're involved in many things like community service uh we uh host many things and just uh doing things together to um do common good cool and uh for my situation i would say uh last summer i went deep sea fishing for the first time I had no prior experience uh, in any type of fishing, let alone deep sea. And with deep sea fishing, you're, there's a giant chair that you get like strapped into because you're fighting like 100 to 1,000 pound fish out there. And taking in that experience, I had to get acclimated really quickly to everything that's going on on the ship. And it's like in those situations, even though in my normal life, yeah, I'm a CEO of a business, I'm a leader of everything else I'm doing in my life, that's a time where you learn to you know take a step back and you can be a leader from the side or from the back trying to learn all the other positions so that you can best help the overall group keep moving forward because at the end of the day we're out there at 3 a.m trying to catch these 100 pound fish and you don't want to mess around like you you can lose your hand you can lose an arm i mean these things are massive and it's again not not a place where just because you lead in your normal life you can automatically take over the ship and say, hey, this is how it's gonna go down, because <laughs> you're gonna get left out of the group. But long story short, um, those are those positions where, yeah, you might have to take a seat back, but you're learning and you're observing, and even if you can only lead with enthusiasm or if you can just bring water to some people like while they're going through and fighting some of these fish, you, you can see the tremendous outcome that that helps add to the group dynamic. So you might not always lead directly with what your ideas or your thoughts are, but you can lead with, you know, a positive attitude and also just bring in, you know, resources just to help out the overall cause. So look for alternative ways of leading as well to help your group. Yeah, yeah. It's always humbling to try something new, but right. if you never try anything new, you're not going to learn or grow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so in order to make a positive change, you cannot do it alone and collaboration is needed. What skills or strategies have you developed to enable you to collaborate more effectively? I would say learning to lean on others has been mine. Um, we, we did an icebreaker um, a couple weeks ago for lead staff and returning staff for orientation leaders, and it was called, who are you gonna call based on Ghostbusters? But it was, who are you gonna call when you need an icebreaker and you're out of ideas? Who are you gonna call when you need a pep talk? When you need someone to vent to? And then finding those resources within those people 
Um, because you are one person, you can't have it all, all of the time. You can't bring all of the energy all of the time. You lean on others if you have a bad day. Everyone is so willing to support you um, in the office that I work in, but also just as a team in general. So learning to work as a team has been something that makes you a positive leader because if you aren't having a good day, other people can help compensate for that and vice versa because you are all in that together. Not to quote High School Musical, but still, you are in the experience together as student leaders and that is the whole point of working on a team is because you all are human first and then you become that resource for students because they see you as a human. Yeah, um, for me, it's, uh, I like to emphasize a lot like understanding that there's different types of people and that with that, there's different ways that you can uh, approach different um, scenarios and situations. So um, definitely like knowing that within your group, there's gonna be, like I touched before, there's gonna be different ideas and uh, different thought, uh, ways of ways that people think. So definitely understanding that like uh, when those times approaches, there are certain ways that you could approach people and understand really like how like people think too. Um, has really like helped me like uh, lead a group. Yeah, it's like empathy and different forms of communication. Correct. Yeah. I say for me, I think the hardest part of collaboration are those moments when you feel that the person you're working with maybe they're falling short or maybe they're struggling with something. And I think it's very easy, at least for me, to get like annoyed at first and kind of like blame them. And so I think a strategy or like something that I try to implement is just giving them grace and forgiveness and empathy for them instead of like getting mad when like, you know, your person you're collaborating with kind of falls short on their responsibilities or you see them struggling or they're showing up late to meetings or whatever it may be, taking a step back and understanding like maybe they're going through something like instead of just trying to like attack them and instead of trying to like, or like end up being, not trying to, but um, like end up being a negative force in their life on top of whatever they're dealing with, try to help uplift them and be a source of goodness for them. And I really think that helps like with the collaboration overall, because if you can try to help uplift them, they're going to be able to then contribute back to whatever you're doing. And they're gonna have a positive interaction with you. You're gonna be able to maintain your um, relationship with them after you're done collaborating and collaborate in the future. So I think it's really important to have that empathy and to have the maturity to you know, like try to understand their viewpoint instead of just understanding your own viewpoint. I think that's a great point. Um, Cause yeah, you never know what somebody else is going through. And honestly with whoever your team is, uh, kind of like what you were speaking about earlier where some groups you might be in, but you feel like you're walking on eggshells or, or you don't want to say everything. That's actually harmful for a group. You want you want your team to be able to speak their mind. Every idea is not going to be a home run. Every every idea might not even be a base hit. Like you might hear some stuff that just sounds wild, but it's good that they're actually thinking about whatever the project is or the problem. And they might not have the answer right now, but hey, two three weeks because you were able allowing them to speak their mind, they're not stuck on their idea that might have been bad, but they might come up with a better solution down the road. And you're like, oh wow, you know because they've, they've had so much more time to think about it and they weren't stuck on their other idea. But it's just because you open the floor up to them being able to speak within your group, that'll help your collaboration go through the roof. Um, and then the other problem is a lot of people in a leadership position, they automatically think that they're 100% right all the time. Nobody is. I don't, I don't care what, if they, if they are saying that, they're lying to you. Um, I mean, I've seen people, generals, admirals, secretaries, make some of the silliest mistakes um, you know, in Washington, D.C., 
and you're wondering how they get in these positions. But I mean, yeah, they've had a track record of consistent good works, if you will. But again, even those people that are leading these giant agencies, they still get things wrong. You see it in the news all the time. So it's one of those things like, yes, take under the advisement, also try to understand what your staff and their viewpoints are. And at the end of the day, don't try to lead your team in a dictatorship. I mean, sometimes, yes, as a leader, you do have to make a split decision. But typically when you're dictating stuff to people, that's for a very short amount of time that people start resenting you and not giving their full effort towards you. So really just try to listen to your team. That's what I got for you. I would also like to add that like, I feel like another good thing is acknowledging uh, individuals within your uh, team. Yeah. Uh, it really helps because like, um, at the end of the day, it's like a reward, and then that kind of also builds momentum for other tasks to be completed. So definitely like acknowledging for when like you assign tasks to specific individuals, and that it then like motivates them to continue to move forward. Yeah. So what I heard there is basically within any type of group or team dynamic, relationship building is so important, and y'all said that in a lot of different ways. Um, we'll talk about conflict now. So conflict is inevitable. Right. Healthy conflict can lead to positive outcomes. When have you experienced a difference in viewpoints that eventually led to a positive outcome? I'd say for me, off campus, I actually work as a real estate broker. And so for one of my listings, I was actually working alongside another broker um, who was more established in their career. And so we were kind of going in together and had to market this listing together. And obviously, me being younger, I really like to rely on digital marketing, marketing and they really like to rely on traditional marketing methods. And so like we kind of like butted heads over that in the beginning. And I think the idea was like, all right, well, we'll just do a little bit of each. And so we started doing that for a week or so and realized this isn't working at all. Like we just weren't getting the results we needed and we weren't doing the client justice for the listing. And so we made the decision to come together and we brought all of the topics we wanted to discuss. And we just really took the time to pull out analytics and talk about everything that was important to us in regards to this marketing plan. And really, instead of like just compromising or like one of us giving in, just trying to build a new plan together that worked best and not only to serve us and like, you know, get the listing completed or, um, you know, get the sale completed, but also to serve the client and ensure that we're not doing them any harm as well. And so overall, I just think that really like, as I like, mentioned earlier, just that communication is really what helps to sort through all of those issues that may arise. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll say within conflict resolution, uh, one of the key things I always take away from arguments is, you know, like keep, keep yourself in a normal speaking town. For whatever reason, people get passionate about whatever their point of view is and they like to think that just because they elevate their voice that they're correct. Just because you're loud doesn't mean you're right. Like, so whenever you're in that situation, if you need to step away for five, ten minutes or whatever until you can get your voice and your tone back to a normal speaking level, then do that. But for the most part, there's no reason two adults should be yelling at e at directly at each other. Um, you know, if you're at a sporting game, something else, that's different. But, like, there's no reason to have an elevated discussion, no matter how much passion you're, you're backing it up with. So, again, if you need to take, like, that five, ten minutes, do that break, and then just come back and let cooler heads prevail. Because, hey, you might both be right, but no one can hear each other, and then you're never going to get anything done. So just take that kind of time out for yourself. I would also say... Just remember that the way something comes across to you is not going to be the same as the other person. 
And so if your actions hurt someone, they felt something about it. Therefore, their emotions and feelings are valid. And their reaction might not always be valid in the moment, but you have to understand that if you hurt someone or vice versa, if this happens to you, the way you're feeling in that moment on both sides is valid and addressing it in a polite way and respectful way is everything when you're a student leader and learning to navigate conflict management because that's something I was never good at in high school. Um, I was involved in band a lot in high school and there's a lot of issues that could happen between sections and between competitions and stuff like that, whether it's people running late and having to reprimand them as a student leader is never fun. And so my biggest thing is just understanding, like coming at it from a tone perspective of just, hey, I noticed this, let's work on it together rather than singling them out in a crowd or anything like that because it doesn't really solve anything. But know that your emotions and your feelings are valid when you're bringing them to a situation and using a lot of I feel statements and conflict resolution rather than you did all of this, you were wrong, saying I felt this way when this happened because and it solves so much more than you think. So. Yeah, I would definitely agree with everything that has just been said. Um, and like we like to think that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows, but that's not <laughs> always the case. There's always going to be conflicts. But it's the way in which you approach the conflict and uh, strategize to that kind of like uh, determines the outcome. So um, for like some of the various organizations that I'm involved in, it's like, uh, event planning, so maybe uh, half of us want to do this particular thing and then half of us want to do this particular thing. How can we like talk and again remain in a calm tone and uh, come with like join ideas together so that like uh, both sides are heard and um, at the end of the day we can carry out this event and it be successful. But definitely like um, remaining calm, uh, always uh, acknowledging that uh, communication is important. Uh, being transparent, um, just some of the stuff that we have mentioned before um, for like this particular question. Yeah, yeah, and another thing too I like to think about too, like especially in group dynamics, is always trying to remember what the end goal is or what y'all are trying to achieve. Because at the end of the day, that's what is most important. And if you're too, I guess, like egocentrical about it, then trying to do it your way might just achieve nothing. So a lot of times it's best to think about what is the greater purpose and how can we come together to achieve this together? Um, so we have made it to our final question of today's dialogue. Uh, the last question centers on societal issues. So what is a societal issue that you advocate for in terms of making a difference? Um, for me, I'd say uh, general access to education. Uh, I, I feel like this, I don't want to get political in here, but like, I just feel like there's better ways to allocate funds in order to make the education system more accessible to people who actually want to learn. Like, there's, it seems like a lot of kids end up at college sometimes and their parents might have forced them to go. But I'm like, yo, for the people that are actually here, you know, putting in the work and, actually, and you know, doing what they're supposed to do, why is it that they're coming out of debt, they're coming out of college in debt, in deep levels of debt, before they even got to the starting line, and it doesn't make any sense because if you're if you're doing the work here, I actually think you should get compensated once you get to college. But that's all another situation too, because I'm like, <laughs> I mean, the amount of time that you're putting in towards learning whatever your next skill or your craft, you should almost get compensated for that because you're doing something that an average individual isn't. So, 
again, and I, and I'm like, even if you're doing something scientific or if you're if you're not in a STEM um, major, there's still some way that you're affecting. You're gonna affect some level of change going forward because you're bringing. If you're a first year, uh, first generation college student, you're introducing a different mindset to your family that has that's never been touched before. So you're impacting the rest of your lineage, and you're changing your overall family's potential fortune just because you took a step outside of what your family has ever done. And that's like a huge impact. And it's it's wild that so many people, I mean, you see the scandals where people are paying more than tuition costs to go to school, which that's weird, but okay, if you want to throw money away, cool. But at the same time, it's like, why are you throwing half a million dollars away when that could have been 10 scholarships for people and they come out of debt for free. But again, um, I really just advocate for education between high school and undergrad levels because you guys are doing something that's phenomenal. And it's like, as soon as you graduate, there isn't always like a good pathway for you to keep going forward. Like it's go to grad school or go in the workforce. But again, you're, you're almost hindered with a $50,000, $70,000 a day, which is, that's like, you know, an E-class Mercedes or something like, but you can't even drive a, a diploma. So like, what are you doing, you know? So, Again, I think with education reform, I mean, there's so many projects that you see tax dollars get wasted on, like, but anyways, again, education, let's fix that. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. For me, it's definitely education at well, but I kind of go more towards the K-12 level. Um, I was in a county growing up where our school really struggled. They didn't provide us with all of the resources and courses we should have. Even coming into UNCG, we didn't meet a lot of the qualifications for the course minimums we had to get into college. And they weren't allowed to discriminate against us for that. And so they gave us an exception and let us in. But still the fact that we weren't given these resources that we should have had in these courses, these basic high school courses that we should have had coming into college is something that's always troubled me. It's something that like, the students back in my county are still struggling with that. We have one school for our entire county and all of the students go to this one school and there's very few resources. And so I always try to find opportunities to help and serve and try to uplift my school and other schools in North Carolina that are in the same situation because I know what it feels like to be in that spot where you're like, this is so unfair, but there's no way I can fix it. There's no other school I can go to and no other resources I can utilize at the moment. Um, just going back like to like my story and like uh, my background and everything, I really advocate for like the Latino community, um, especially like uh, knowing that there's a small percentage of like uh, Latino uh, uh, men finishing college. So definitely like being a mentor for like those uh, coming up and like encouraging uh, others to you know pursue, uh, you know maybe it may not be like higher education, like specifically college, but you can definitely do something with your life and not def uh, like basically quit after high school. I would say implementing um, adaptability in the classroom and understanding inclusion and diversity as well within that. UNCG is a minority serving institution, but not every UNC system school is and not every school in North Carolina is. And we are by no means perfect in the way that we offer resources but we do have a lot for students and that is something that I always advocate for in the classroom is because it comes with your tuition. Everything here at UNCG is something for students to use and I always advocate for students to use their voices if they want to use change because as I said earlier and I will say it, 
every single day is students come in with something to say and value in a conversation and that is how you make differences. I'm, I'm a tour guide. I sell the university every single day to prospective students, but at the end of the day, the students are what make up this population, and they're the ones that are the change makers every single day, no matter what. You bring an issue to SGA, there will be legislation written on it. There will be something changed. So you all are the people that I advocate for and the people that I want to serve because you all make the biggest impact on me but also you make the biggest impact on those around you because if you want to see something different at our school, it will happen and there will be so many petitions going around that you can't even keep them straight and you get so many emails saying sign with a click and then at this point you're just going through your inbox and clicking, but you're also making sure that you're advocating for things that you are passionate about as a student, like education and like understanding different serving groups and why it's important as a student to bring awareness to those things. Yeah, so thank you all for sharing that. And just to like kind of reiterate some themes that have came up, it's so important too to know that you're not in this alone. And you know, being a part of this leadership challenge is yes, to help you know, equip you with some skills and insights so that you can uh, be a better leader in that change. But also too, it's a great way to meet other people and uh, build your coalitions or build your groups because uh, the more connections and things that you make while you are here at UNCG can benefit not just you, not just that group, but uh, society more broadly. Um, as we're wrapping up today, um, I do want to offer one last chance for audience Q&A. So if anybody has any questions for the audience, uh, please feel free to ask them anything. And um, yeah. Um, I guess all of you guys are in leadership positions and you work with teams, but I wanted to ask you guys and get your opinion on how it has improved on your leadership skills when I guess you try to do everything right and it ends up failing or the like the ball like falls. How do you look on that and like kind of reflect on how does that improve upon your leadership skills? That's a great question. I would say accountability is everything. Um, so even if you're working on a team and everyone did everything right, plan it out to a T and then it falls to shreds and you're like, oh dang it, like what just happened? Um, assessing what you could what you could do for next time um, I wouldn't say accountability isn't putting blame on someone else because sometimes there are situations that happen and things just fall short and you just you don't hit the mark and so kind of assessing maybe the greater community that you were serving and asking them for feedback so it may not be an in-team dynamic thing that happened it might not be something that you could have controlled but understanding what you could do for next time and asking for feedback and serving the community in a greater aspect of what they wanted to see is something that I would see it's definitely something very similar for me I think that like you know I've been trained like when I encounter those problems and when things go wrong instead of just like being mad like oh this went wrong I like I always try to look for the lesson in it and I always try to like say to myself like all right I made this mistake once and I know I'm never going to make it again like I'm going to remember this I've learned something and I've learned how to navigate moving forward and so it's really it's a learning opportunity for me and so I don't shy away from those opportunities that push me out of my comfort zone or those opportunities where I'm like is this going to go wrong? Because it's like, well, if it does go wrong, like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know, it's it's an opportunity to grow, and I always look for those opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Like, I agree with both statements. Like, acknowledging that not everything is gonna be perfect, but rather like when those cases do come up where like 
something goes completely wrong, like coming like learning from it firstly and then like uh so that next time something similar comes up, you know how to do it. And um yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah. And uh for me I would just say like I let my pain be my motivation. So it's like, look, if I messed up on that, you know, nobody died, we lost some money, whatever, like cool. But like she said, I'm not gonna make that decision or I might not make those choices again because I know how it's gonna turn out. And I just truly believe, like, even if you see it as a setback, it's just an opportunity to make another comeback. So it's like, yeah, you get knocked down, you come back. Like, you're, as long as you can breathe, that's my whole thing, too. And, and like, for me, I look at, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, the show, like, Lock Up or look at, like, any prison movies or anything like that. But it's like, in my head, as long as I'm a free man walking this earth, I can make anything happen. Like, that's, that's my mindset. And, I mean, there's people that are doing phenomenal stuff behind bars and stuff. That's on them. But you have your overall freedom in one of the easiest countries to navigate. And, uh, and with that, it's, you got another day. Every day is a reset button. Every day is another time for another opportunity. So even if, you, if, if your team has a setback, just work through that. And you got time to think about it. So for real, just take whatever your pains are and use that as your motivation. Yeah, so failure is definitely inevitable. Right. But, you know, what are we going to take from it? Exactly. I mean, it's the first time you tied your shoes. Did you do it perfectly? Anyone? No? All I right. still don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, they make the Velcro straps. So they got you there for everything, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. So, hope that helps. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so, all you guys are in uh, various leadership positions, and uh, being college students, it can always just be very hectic, you know, having uh, different. Uh, classes, exams, presentations. How do you guys manage to uh, not burn out? And if you do, what do you do to like wind down and de-stress and avoid um, having a mental meltdown? Another amazing question. I definitely say for me, I mean, first of all, to try and avoid any meltdowns or like burnouts, all of that is definitely, as you mentioned earlier, utilize a planner and be really diligent about that because it makes it so much easier. Like if you're not using a planner and I've experienced this before at points where it did, did get chaotic, where it's like it adds so much stress to you because you don't know what to do. You're like, it's just all swirling around your head. You're like, I think I need to do this. I think I need to do that. But if you see it all written out, it's so much easier to process because it's like, all right, this is what I need to get done. And I know I can do that. Um, and then also there's moments where it does get overwhelming. I just definitely lean on your support system and really express that to the people you're working with. as a student leader, you do have those support systems. So if I am facing a week where maybe I have a lot of exams, maybe like life is just getting really challenging for me that week, I can step back and I can say, hey guys, I'm actually like, I just kind of need like a little bit of break and maybe I'm gonna like, you know, work less or I'm gonna like do this next week and just be really like clear with them about that and they're definitely willing to work with you and to help you because like they don't want you to fail, they don't want you to burn out. Um, and they've actually verbalized that to me. I'm like, I'm sure you guys as well. They're like, we want you to stay strong. We know you're busy. We don't want you to burn out. So like just make that communication clear with us. Um, I'd say for me, uh, two things. One, make sure you have the power to say no. Like, saying no to stuff is okay. You don't have to, if, if somebody gets mad at you for, you know, you can't make it to one party or you can't make it to hang out with them one time, they've got some other stuff going on. You should be able to tell your friends no or whoever, if they truly understand or care for you. Because you've got other things going on in your life. And you can't always just hang around everybody all the time or whatever all these other frivolous commitments that people try to put on you. 
just say no sometimes, and then they'll respect you more. They should respect you more, otherwise they don't respect you in the first place. And then the other thing I was gonna say was just find a hobby that like you can blank out on. Like for me, I like to go bowling, and it's like when I'm bowling, I don't have to think about anything. It's like a ball and some pins. I, there's no complex other processes, nothing else coming in the way. Either I hit them or I don't. It's it's just straightforward, and I can blank out. I don't have to care about the rest of the world. So if you can find something else, I don't know, video games, taking naps, walks in the park, whatever it is for you, go do that. Cause I mean, life's too short. You need something that you can just kind of blank out on sometimes, you know. So. Um, I would definitely say um, scheduling time for yourself every single day, because I feel like burnout is inevitable for everyone. Um, no matter if you're a student leader, if you're just getting involved on campus. Or if you're a first year student and you're just like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? Burnout's inevitable, um, especially with us being mostly online and doing everything through a computer screen. And so taking a break from that and taking at least an hour or two to yourself every single day and learning how to advocate for what you need, um, like it was mentioned before, just communicating effectively with others because you know what you need, but people aren't mind readers. And so learning how to say no I can't tonight or hey can we work on my schedule I seriously have so many exams this week I can't even think straight it's easier once you have that open communication and it's effective both ways um, because you can divide up what your importance and your task list tasks lists look like um, afterwards so I definitely think just learning how to advocate for yourself and knowing that like you are human first then all of the other things that you um, put yourself into and all of the energy that you put towards other positions in schoolwork because that is how you show up every single day yeah I would say that it comes down to like having respect for yourself knowing your limits and not exceeding your body uh, taking the proper actions to you know like when you feel like it's coming like like they said like find something that you like doing for example I like I like running, taking naps, uh, listening to music, uh, playing instruments and stuff like that. So definitely implementing those type of things within like your life to, you know, like uh, kind of like uh, ease rest and like when moments like uh, stressful moments like those occur, like you have something to lean on. And like you can lean on also like your support and your resources too. Yeah, so we have time for uh, one more question, and then after that, if anybody wants to stick around and talk, uh, we can also do that. But uh, is there any other questions for our panel? Yeah, um, since you guys have like presidents of organizations and kind of like head offices, um, have you ever had the Um, so I'll go first. Uh, so for me, and I've been in these positions for a while, and basically you just, one thing document anytime you're talking to somebody, um, you know, tell them, hey, on this day we discuss this, on this day discuss this, because you, you need a trail in case they ever try to come back at you and are like, oh, you never told me this or you never told me that. And also if you're able to sit in there, uh, bring like another officer or peer so it's not just like some one-on-one -on -one situation. Because a lot of people, like, it can turn into a situation where it's like he said, she said, or they said, or whatever. And you, you don't want to be in that situation. If you have a witness or somebody that can say, no, this is what occurred during that meeting, that's great. But when you're actually in that meeting, 
detail what the expected behavior is. If you lay out, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z by this date, bam. If they haven't, you can check in with them during that timeline or however, whatever period uh, you see that needs to be adjusted. And you can either ask them, hey, what's the status of this? Or do you need any help? You can, you can post it either way. Like, hey, is there anything else I can do to assist you to help you get this done? So that way it looks like you're not coming at them like you know headstrong but you're actually looking like you're you're kind of helping them out and then you can get the answers that you want so you can leave with honey or you can leave with vinegar it's your choice but when you go in there just make sure that you're detailing your expect expectation of whatever behavior you needed hey i need you to show up to the meeting five minutes early that's your that's your only job that's all you got to do and if they can't meet that expectation after the second time then promptly say, hey, your office need to be vacated. You haven't been able to meet the expectations of your office. We met on this date, this date, this date, telling you what the behavior that was expected was, and this is the reasons why you're not making it. And at that point, they don't have anything to fight you on. But you've talked to them a multitude of times. You have it documented. What can they say, you know? So. I, I think for me, unfortunately, I have as a president had a situation where I had to remove a board member, but I feel like I'm being repetitive, but really what I fall back on is communication. Because what I wanted to stress to them is like the position wasn't working out. You know, we like gave them the warnings. We tried to communicate with them and give them smaller goals and things to accomplish. And it just wasn't working out. And but instead of going in really negative and trying to highlight like this is what you did wrong, this is what you did wrong, just saying like this wasn't a fit. Like I know there's opportunities out there and I actually pointed them in the direction of offer other opportunities on campus that better aligned with them that I know that they would be good at. But just really trying to highlight like this isn't me saying you're like bad or you're not like a good leader or student leader or whatever it may be that you think. This is just me saying this role isn't fit to what you need at the moment. And so just trying to uplift them through that experience is what helped me. I really like that. Um, I, I've served as president of an organization before, but I've never had, I don't want to say the power or the authority to like remove someone from a situation or from a position. But I will say, always lean on your supervisors and issues like that um, and saying, hey, like I've no, noticed so-and-so hasn't been showing up or like hasn't been putting in effort. What is your advice for me to address this situation? Because then you come to them. So then it's not like you're going to your supervisor and then your supervisor is having that talk with them. It's easier for you to kind of navigate that situation if you ask for help first if you seriously don't know what to do um, and always have a mediator and if it gets bigger than the situation itself um, but also highlighting that maybe they aren't enjoying it and maybe the people making people are making the experience bad for them but you don't know that and so maybe asking them what they need out of the position and kind of reframing it as in what do you want to get out of this because it doesn't seem like you're wanting to put effort into it so why aren't you putting effort into it? Are you not enjoying it? Is there an aspect that people aren't really speaking to that it's just making the experience not great for you? What can I do to better it? And then if that conversation does nothing, then pointing them in different resources and saying like, maybe this aligns with you better. And then maybe it'll be a full 360 and they just needed a change of environment. But just making sure that you're reframing their focus um, because we've done that a lot in the past, even with students, of just sometimes they show up to class and they don't want to engage. So I say, what do you want to get out of this class? What are you trying to get out of it? And I know that's not catered to a specific exec board members, but you're still all students and you have to understand what you're showing up to every day to 
bring to an organization and put forth ideas and effort. It goes back to being uh, transparent and understanding, definitely like uh, also communicating with uh, the individual who may not be uh, completing uh, whatever needs to be necessary and really understanding, uh, like trying to come up with like what the root problem is, like uh, with understanding like maybe you don't know, maybe somebody could be going through something and like, you know, being transparent and like in regards to like, hey, just tell me what's happening, that way we can work things out. If you don't know maybe how to do this particular thing, uh, we can show you um, if it comes down to like uh, that they obviously don't want to do the or complete the their role, then we might have to take necessary uh, measures to like maybe find somebody else or you know. Yeah, so great answers and a lot of awesome feedback and insights. Um, again, I want to thank everybody for coming today, and uh, I want to encourage you all to continue your leadership journey. It is a process, it continues to evolve, and uh, just know that uh, UNCG has plenty of resources out there, and if you ever need anything at all, like definitely feel free to reach out to me or anybody in the Office of Leadership and Civic Engagement, and uh, hope to see you all again in the future. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud so that you do not miss any future episodes. Have anyone you think embodies the spirit of a changemaker and would be a great guest? Send an email to lead at uncg.edu. Also, visit olsi.uncg.edu and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uncg underscore Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tell a friend.